Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. This is episode four of the podcast series Degrees of Abuse, produced by our colleagues at Al Jazeera's investigative unit, exploring the way several top UK universities are handling complaints of sexual harassment on their campuses. Today, you'll hear the second part of an investigation involving Dr. Ian Shaw at Glasgow University in Scotland. After these two episodes went out in late 2021, Glasgow University's Chancellor, Professor Anton Muscatelli, issued a statement saying he was deeply sorry if anyone had been subjected to abuse or felt unsafe and unsupported. He promised the university would do more to prevent abuse. He announced there'd be an independent review of Glasgow's process for handling complaints of sexual harassment. Dr. Ian Shaw had already left Glasgow for a job at Leeds University. A few weeks ago, Leeds said that as of mid-March, Dr. Shaw was no longer a member of staff, but didn't give any details about the circumstances of his departure. Here are Deborah Davies and Alex Howlett from Al Jazeera's investigative unit with the second part of this story. And remember that this series deals with topics of sexual assault, grooming, stalking, physical violence, and harassment. In June 2020, a junior lecturer at Glasgow University heard the result of her complaint about the conduct of her more senior male colleague. A member of the university's investigating panel announced the findings. I've found that the allegations of bullying and harassment are substantiated. Three other women, all students, had also provided evidence about the man's behaviour through the same complaints process. I concluded that a reasonable person could regard this as harassment due to the nature of the comments and regard this as sexual harassment. The lecturer, Emma, had waited six months for this decision into her complaint against a geography lecturer at Glasgow University, Dr Ian Shaw. What came next was a bombshell. Dr Shaw had issued a counter-complaint against Emma. And on the basis of that, my recommendation is that this matter concerning you, Emma, should proceed to a formal disciplinary hearing. Yes, you heard right. The complaint they upheld was against Emma, even though until that moment she believed the hearing was only about her complaint against Dr Shaw. But shouldn't I have known about it before? Shouldn't I have known about it before the meeting? Emma had been given no warning that her male colleague had made a counter-allegation. She was the one found guilty with no chance to defend herself. Dr Shaw faced no punishment. This is Al Jazeera Investigates. I'm Deborah Davis. You're listening to the fourth episode of Degrees of Abuse from Al Jazeera's iUnit. And I'm Alex Howlett. This is the second half of our story from Glasgow University. It's about the formal process that women go through if they do try to complain about sexual harassment by staff. 
It involves a lecturer and six women. Four of them complained about his behaviour, and the other two told us they would have complained if they'd known about the others. He was always telling me how brilliant I was. He was always telling me that I was very clever. He also would say things like, oh, we have a real connection, you and me, which is very flattering, especially when you're very insecure when you just started in a new job. That was 2018. The lectureship in the geography department was Emma's first teaching role after her PhD and having a baby. So she was grateful that Dr Shaw, a lecturer in her department, took an interest in her career. But very quickly, he started revealing details about his own life. He told me about his wife and marital problems with his wife. He told me about his mental health problems, which I felt quite flattered that he trusted me to do that. That's the kind of very private conversation that Dr Anna Ball came across frequently when she was researching acceptable boundaries of staff conduct. If we look at codes of conduct or ethical standards from other professions, things like asking somebody about their intimate personal life would be a breach of those professional standards unless it's directly to do with your professional role. And sharing information about your own life, your marital problems, your mental health, in other professions, would that cross the boundary? Absolutely, yes. Even talking about how the relationship with Ian Shaw developed made Emma emotional. I might just go and get some tissue. Yeah, do. So he bought me a gift and took me out for a meal and like looked after me on my birthday when I was on my own. I liked all the flattery. I liked that he was so caring. It made me feel really loved. But a few months into the job, Emma felt they'd become too close. I told him I had feelings for him, and the reason I did that is because I wanted to get it out in the open. All this weird, ambiguous flirting, and I started to feel like it was going to get unhealthy. And I thought a good way to deal with that would be to sit down and have a conversation about it. Instead, he took her off field trips and removed her from a joint project without telling her. I felt as my manager in that role, he was really unprofessional. This is my research career crumbling because it very much depended on my relationship with him. That's another feature Dr Anna Ball found in her research across British universities. Students and staff members who experience sexual harassment are absolutely terrified of reporting sometimes because of the risk of retaliation or victimisation. There's a high degree of risk here because there's a power imbalance. And that could be staff to staff. For example, if there's somebody who's in a senior position as a staff member and there's a junior or early career staff member, that you know that's also a position of unequal power. What finally prompted Emma to make a formal complaint was discovering that other women also found Dr Shaw's behaviour unacceptable. Over the course of 14 months, I was subjected to predatory or grooming behaviour by Dr Shaw. Ian's behaviour became increasingly sexualised and controlling. That's from a 47-page statement by a PhD student, Esther. It's read by an actor. I've brought this complaint due to the negative impact on my mental health 
and my academic career. I also feel it's vitally important to speak out against sexual misconduct against women in academia. Esther was finishing her PhD on austerity at another university when she met Dr. Shaw at a conference. She told us his behavior followed a familiar pattern. He was very complimentary about my work. Come to Glasgow. I can help you with a fellowship and I can be your mentor. And I was like, wow. Then he intensified the contact. We went out for uh, dinner once and he said, you've got the most beautiful mind I've ever met. And he started sending photos of himself and he would encourage me to send photos of my day. His photos included several of his legs, sometimes in shorts, and his lower body. I reenacted this, trying to work out where the angle of the camera was for him to take it, to actually get his crotch in. And I worked out you'd have to get the phone basically at head level to actually get your crotch in. So that suggests to me that they were entirely intentional. Esther says the final straw was when she was looking for her first job after completing her PhD. Then he said that there was an opportunity for a permanent lectureship position at Glasgow and that I should apply. I knew he was on the panel and he offered to read my application, which I know in hindsight is not allowed. And he read over my application and sent it back with an emoji that said, i.e. don't tell anyone that I'm sending you this. And he scared me at that point because I thought that if I'd got a job based on this situation, I would never be free of him. Esther submitted her statement to Glasgow's Complaints Resolution Office in December 2019. She also started hearing that other women were considering complaints, including Emma, the junior lecturer in Dr Shaw's department. I didn't contact Emma until after I submitted my complaint because I didn't want there to be any overlap and I didn't want to be accused of colluding. When Esther contacted you, how did you react to that? Well, yeah, this changes everything. I thought that they would look at all the complaints together because I think that they're important to each other. I thought it would be important for them to know that this wasn't a one-off, that this was a pattern. Emma put in her complaint four days after Esther. They were quickly followed by two other women, so that's four in all. One was a former undergraduate. Esther was shocked at how young she was. I found out that she was 19 at the time. And I just thought, wow, what am I in? This is way deeper than I ever thought it would be. The teenager was Lauren. This is from her statement read by an actor. He told me that his wife is still very sexually attracted to him, but that he is no longer sexually attracted to her. And do you know what her name is? It's Lauren. The way he said this was really creepy. My name is Lauren. I then highlighted the fact that I was 19 years old and I left as soon as possible. Lauren filed her complaint in January 2020, a month 
after Esther and Emma. Here's Lauren talking to us. So then when I learned that it was a more calculated harassment and that it involved many other women, it really opened my eyes to his behaviour fully. And I felt that if I put in a complaint against him, it would strengthen their complaints. A week later, the fourth student, Hannah, submitted a statement. She wanted to support the others, but decided against a formal complaint. She explains why in words read by an actor. To avoid the continued emotional disruption to my life by Ian Shaw, and because I am fearful my traumatic memories will be unfairly scrutinised. Hannah was one of Dr Shaw's PhD students. Her statement describes him talking about... His wife's mental health and their lack of sexual intimacy, sexual innuendos during supervisory meetings. At the Christmas party in 2015, he asked me to describe the smell of semen. Hannah's complaint corroborated the other women's experiences. When people complained, she described how Dr. Shaw responded. Bullying and deliberate exclusion. During the final stages of my PhD, this avoidance had material consequences for my career. Ian refused to give me a reference for a fellowship and refused to discuss the fellowship with me. So, four statements all came into the same office over the same six-week period from December 2019. Three formal complaints from Emma, Esther and Lauren with a fourth supporting statement from Hannah. Esther says there could have been more, but some women were still too scared to complain. I distinctly remember in December 2020 when I found out that there were multiple undergraduate students that Ian had targeted. And the first thing I did was bore my eyes out. Cried just tears of rage and sadness that these undergraduate students had to go through this and the fact they weren't protected by Glasgow University. I was so angry. There was one big difference in the multiple complaints. Emma said she felt victimised and excluded by Ian Shaw, cutting her off from departmental activities. She didn't complain of sexual harassment. Because I still desperately wanted to manage it in some way that we could work together afterwards. In February 2020, an internal panel heard Emma's complaint. It's May before she's told the results. The panel didn't find Dr. Shaw's behaviour was controlling or exclusionary, but did uphold Emma's complaint about the way he removed her from a project. Emma recorded her initial reaction when she heard the result on a Zoom meeting. Thank you, I appreciate that. It did feel horrible, like I was being victimised, and in a way it's a relief that that's more of a, a structural issue than a, than a personal issue. So, thank you. All I want from Ian is respect and for us to try and understand one another's positions and move on. Remember, Emma only complained about the way Dr Shaw treated her as a colleague. She didn't accuse him of sexual harassment. So what the head of the review panel announced next was a bombshell. Ian had also made allegations of bullying and harassment by you. So bullying on the basis of prolonged communication by email, text 
and in person, which left um, Ian feeling intimidated. Harassment on the basis of continued unsolicited communication by email, text and in person, creating an intimidating and hostile environment. Emma didn't know that immediately after she submitted her complaint, Dr Shaw put in a counter-allegation. He said Emma's messages when she was trying to sort out their professional relationship were proof of harassment. Emma belongs to the university and college union and her union rep was in the Zoom meeting and questioned the decision. Did you consider what evidence that there was for Ian actually being the perpetrator here, given that he, in terms of the power dynamic, was senior to our member? And did you find his behaviour wanting at all? Okay, your question's noted. I was absolutely destroyed. I was just destroyed. Because the outcome, it it just looked like they'd not even read the evidence that I'd put in. What about the other complaints, specifically about sexual harassment, from Esther and Lauren? University policy says they should be dealt with within 20 working days. But it was seven months before Esther got the outcome letter. It's read by an actor here. The investigation identified some serious concerns and recommendations to address these through the university's internal processes have been made. The detail cannot be shared with you for reasons due to confidentiality and data protection protocols. The letter did not address or state whether Ian had been found guilty or not. The traumatic experience of seeking help through the official processes and to receive the kind of response I did, that was really hard. I felt my whole experience of being sexually harassed and being groomed, it was completely not taken seriously at all. I definitely feel as if these processes are there to protect the institution and they're not there to protect the victim. Lauren got the same letter. Literally, word for word, the same letter, without even changing the date to when she made her complaint. There was nothing in that that was helpful to me or told me anything that they actually did to hold Ian accountable. I was angry because I know that it's wrong for them to just kind of sit back and not do anything. Sharing my experiences of sexual harassment had just led to somebody laughing in my face and being like, no, we're not going to help you, is what it felt like. Esther then put in a second complaint about the way her case was handled. Emma did the same, and now she specifically accused Ian Shaw of sexual harassment. This time, they saw his responses to the allegations from all the women. He said the photos of his legs that he sent to Esther were a mutual joke. An actor is reading his statement. 
It is both bizarre and deeply saddening the lengths she has gone to distort our friendship. Claims of grooming are exceptionally damaging, not to mention disgusting and malicious. He denied sexualizing his relationship with his colleague, Emma. At no point did I encourage our feelings towards me. I am utterly flabbergasted at the level of dishonesty here. He says he was the victim, suffering stress, anxiety and depression. Her controlling, coercive and bullying behaviour became even more destructive and hurtful. He repeatedly objects to being asked about his actions. I can't believe you're asking me questions like this. This question is deeply, deeply offensive. The question is appalling. Why would I need to consider my behaviour? I haven't done anything wrong. In December 2020, a full year after Emma and Esther first complained, they heard the outcome of their second complaints. First, Esther. Consistently waiting for emails from Glasgow University for any update, the adrenaline that just runs through your body. I lost so much weight and I couldn't sleep, had nightmares. I feel like I'm still dealing with the physical fallout of it. The outcome letter, read by an actor, dismissed all of her complaints about the handling of her case, apart from admitting they sent the same letter, in error, to two women. I do hope you're able to put this unfortunate episode behind you now and wish you every success in the future. This isn't an unfortunate incident. These experiences of sexual misconduct, grooming, are not episodes that you can easily move on from. They have long-term implications for confidence in your career, your trust in other people, your trust in institutions. And I think that wording really gets to the heart of that attitude towards victims and survivors of sexual misconduct, that they can characterize it as an unfortunate episode. On Emma's case, the university still found she sexually harassed Ian Shaw, but did say she shouldn't face disciplinary charges because their working relationship wasn't one of equals. An actor is reading from the report. It is reasonable to conclude Ian Shaw was in a position of power over Emma. The fact that actions were taken against Emma by the school without explaining the allegations against her go against the spirit of university policies. The report included a definition of coercive control from the university's clinical psychologist. A cycle of behaviour, starting with the blurring of boundaries between professional and personal issues, progressing to lots of personal contact, to caring behaviour to make stronger bonds, and finally reducing contact. These types of behaviours are difficult to prove because they are typically subtle and perpetrators are calculated in the way in which they operate. Despite finding patterns of similar behaviour in Dr Shaw's conduct that matched the definition of coercive control, the letter ended with a ruling. Dr Shaw was not guilty of sexual harassment. I find that there is insufficient substantiated and corroborated evidence to reach an objective decision. All the women say there would have been corroborated evidence if the university had heard all the complaints together. Dr Anna Bulls says that's a mistake right across higher education. 
from the evidence I've got, it's likely that staff will target multiple other students and staff rather than just one. So that shift from seeing an individualised complaints process towards understanding sexual harassment as an issue that affects women as a group, we haven't really made that shift. In the middle of the complaints process, Ian Shaw moved to Leeds University. Data protection rules mean Leeds wouldn't have known about the complaints. Dr Shaw said all the allegations against him were upsetting and untrue. He called them part of a campaign of bullying and abuse that caused him to leave Glasgow University. He referred to the fact that he'd been the subject of two official investigations and the outcome was that a colleague was found guilty of bullying and harassment, but no further action was taken against him. Emma is also now teaching at another university. It was so relentless, but I still kept coming to work and I did my job and I brought funding in and I wrote papers and I got nominated for a teaching award and none of it mattered because he still had the power to just destroy my career. Esther is retraining for a new profession outside university life. Academia really does need a Me Too moment. These are systemic issues which really, really impact women's lives in in academia. And that is not being addressed. Glasgow University said it could not address individual cases such as those relating to Dr Shaw. It told us any form of harassment is unacceptable and it's now providing more training for managers dealing with sexual misconduct cases. It said any alleged issues are fully investigated and acted upon according to the university's disciplinary process. In the final two episodes, we reveal what happens when you do join the dots of multiple complaints. And we tell the extraordinary story of a bad date and a murdered wife. If you've been affected by these issues and want to speak to someone, a list of helplines and support organisations is on our website, ajiunit.com. Degrees of Abuse is reported by me, Alex Howlett and Deborah Davies. This episode was produced by Kevin Hurton, and audio edited by Craig Pennington and Leo Sofoyanis. Sound mixed by TVC Soho. Joe DeFries is the executive producer and Phil Reese is Al Jazeera's director of investigative journalism. If you haven't already, subscribe to Al Jazeera Investigates, however you listen to podcasts.